Welcome to the 5G Decretory Podcast, where we will explore the hottest topics in 5G with some of the industry's leading minds. I'm really curious what our friends and partners from ESOA will share and what will be their response to this question, because they are the ones who are actually hosting this session on 5G and satellites. And the central satellite of this session conducting all the work will be Arti Holomaini, the Secretary General of ESOA. Arti, the digital stage is yours and you have the possibility to announce all those wonderful people joining you for this last session. Excellent. Thank you so much for the nice introduction. It's my pleasure to be here again uh, at 5G Techratory this year. And I'm delighted to be joined by my panelists for this session, um, which is on satellites and 5G. Now, I know there's a lot of interest in this topic. It's something that we have been discussing for a couple of years now. But I think that the jury is still out to some extent on when we are going to see truly integrated terrestrial satellite networks. I would like to introduce to you my panelists and then jump into a dynamic discussion with them to explore some of the relevant issues. Let me introduce our, our colleagues to you. We have Wan Chi Chen, the Technical Specification Group of RAN, Plenary Chair from 3GPP. Welcome, Wan Chi. We have Daniela Petrovic, Director at the Darwin Innovation Group from Telefonica. Thanks, Daniela, for joining us. And we have Salim Yagmour, Director of Innovation and Service Architecture at Intelsat. Hi, Salim. So the first thing that I would like to um, ask, specifically to you, Salim, in fact, is why are non-terrestrial networks attractive and how do you foresee them complementing existing terrestrial networks and expanding rural applications? Can I ask you to share your views for a couple of minutes? Uh, thanks, Arti, and thanks, my colleague, uh, for uh, giving me the opportunity on this important panel. So maybe at the beginning, let's just talk about what's really NTN. So NTN really refers to non-terrestrial network uh, for network that they are based on space-borne vehicle uh, or an airport platform for radio transmission. Uh, satellites are space-borne vehicles and they are employing uh, either transparent pin pipe or regenerative pin pipe payload. And they come with different altitudes uh, starting from geo, geostationary orbit, uh, to MEO, uh, to LEO, and also they support also, uh, you know, HAPS uh, or UAV application. Um, the, the universal connectivity is a challenge today, and it's very difficult to find one infrastructure that can provide or address the demand of the, all these services. So 5G networks will need to operate in highly heterogeneous environment uh, characterized by the existence of multiple type of access technologies. And the major advantage of the NTN integration with the 5G ecosystem would be really to broaden the service delivery, especially um, to unserved and underserved uh, areas by complementing and extending the terrestrial network. Uh, the space-based platform, the one I mentioned with multiple attitude, will provide vital reliability service communication to onboard moving uh, platforms 
populations in rural areas, uh, support flexible and fast network restoration in the contents of uh, public protection and disaster relief, and sustaining audience access to the content of multi-broadcast and multicast capability combined with edge caching and compute capability to reduce the uh, network uh, blockage and network leads. So I think in general, the NTN is an important element that can definitely coexist, collaborate with the terrestrial network to provide an end-to-end -end solution to different vertical and services. Excellent, thank you, Salim. But of course, it's not just about expanding the reach, it's also about making sure that we can integrate the technologies, right? Although if we can't do that, then how are we going to expand the reach? So here, I think standards are really important. At least that's what we hear from the membership. So I'd like to ask um, uh, uh, Wanshi about the satellite representation, the NTN representation within 3GPP. I know that it's relatively small compared with other sectors. Does this impact the work on standards or is it progressing well? Hmm. Wanshi, while we're figuring out your, your technical issue, let me move to, let me move to Daniela. Um, Daniela, we, we know that terrestrial operators are still quite slow in embracing satellite. They say that it's still complex, it's expensive, yet at the same time we do see satellite making a strong play for 5G. So how do you foresee terrestrial operators considering NTN space-based platform assets to provide solutions for rural areas in the future? Do you see this picking up at all? Uh, first of all, uh, thank you very much, uh, RT, uh, for inviting me to the panel. Uh, this is, uh, uh, of course, uh, an area of uh, huge interest at the moment. Uh, and we, we had uh, a number of questions at the beginning of this panel saying uh, uh, whether the future is uh, collaboration. And, of course, it is. Uh, I. Uh, uh, believe that, uh, that that there is uh, a convergence of uh, uh, terrestrial and uh, satellite communication channels is the future. That's uh, what we are doing uh, currently um, within Darwin Innovation Group uh, Telefonica. Uh, we are uh, connecting or augmenting the, the terrestrial and satellite communication. Our uh, uh, demo uh, system currently works uh, between terrestrial operator Telefonica and satellite operator Hispasat. And uh, uh, we are uh, really showing the, the benefits of, of such a collaboration. Uh, we uh, managed to do the test and uh, numerous test cases on the augmented service. Uh, and it's just not only showed that um, the value of uh, of this service uh, working uh, in uh, as augmented service but it shows the huge collaboration between terrestrial and satellite operator and the ways how we could uh, uh, connect front-end and back-end systems and uh, uh, provide the best value to the customers so not only that we showed that the technology could work uh, but that uh, we uh, a number of services could work in uh, augmented um, 
uh, type of service. We showed uh, for the end customer that we can provide uh, a single bill, for example, and single provisioning solution and so on. So um, I think this uh, uh, and many similar demos that are happening are showing the value and uh, I, uh, showing where the, uh, the technology is going to move. Uh, and we firmly believe that this is, uh, this is the way forward for, uh, uh, for, for the services of the future. That's great. That's great because indeed you're doing some really interesting stuff for connected and autonomous vehicles. And I look forward to hearing a bit more about that in a few minutes. Um, once you let me come back to you, I hope we can hear you now. Please come off mute. I was asking you about the NTN representation in 3GPP. How, how are the NTN standards doing given that we are a much smaller sector than other sectors? Yeah, thank you. I hope, hopefully you can hear me now. Can you hear me now? I'm sorry for the for the some uh, technical issues. Yeah, I mean, from a 3 perspective, as we all know, 3PP is a very open uh, standard body. So we starting from day one for 5G, you know, we we trying to provide this uh, 5G uh, standardization as an open platform and try to you know not just uh, to uh, accommodate services from the traditional wireless operators, but also with uh, a good. Uh, expansion into vertical domain, including NTN. So this, this is the, the philosophy we've been taking, and this is this philosophy will continue to be, to be, uh, to be doing for for the you know evolution of 5G in the next few years. Um, I'm also happy to see that um, we do have a, a lot of uh, um, representation uh, from different uh, fields of NTN, you know, in, including vendors, the the operators uh, come to 3PP. Over the years, uh, the impact. Um, uh, that we have been seeing is increasing, which is a really good thing. And for NT in particular, we started the start item in the 16. Now we already have had a work time in the 17. I continue to see something will also happen, continue evolution for this 18. Um, I, I don't think I agree with that, that uh, NT is underrepresented. Rather, I think it's already uh, kind of well represented. Um, and also, it's not just NT in community. Uh, I do also believe that. Uh, Many traditional players, like on the wireless uh, operator side, including vendors, in, you know, operators and infra vendors, uh, they also start to show very strong interest uh, for the NTN evolution. So, from our perspective, I do see this is a very healthy ecosystem, uh, and continue to see this is going to have a further evolution uh, down the road. Well, that's great to hear. I was under the impression that there's so much competition for the work units and the work hours and so on that it's it's always a tough fight. But it's good to hear. Um, it's good to hear what you say. All right, so Salim, let me come back to you. We saw very recently that Intelsat has done the first test for mobility using the 5G NTN specification, which has been agreed with in 3GPP and which we should see emerging with the release 17 in uh, March next year, I believe it is. Um, can you tell us how important is this for the broader mobility community, including aviation and rail? Thanks, Artie. This is this is clearly a very important subject. Is really how you move from standard to the implementation phase is very critical. Um, so we are at Intelsat is really driving technology towards standards and in particular 5G, in order to provide the seamless uh, interoperability with our customers and terrestrial world, and improve the economic base on a much larger scale of, of application side. 
The validation and the for the feasibility of 5G mobile communication over satellite networks with the ecosystem partner is an important milestone toward recognizing uh, the, our future of an end-to-end -end ecosystem integrated with the end-to-end -end software defined uh, architecture that we are looking at. Uh, we started with the land mobile use case uh, testing with our uh, you know, partners, Kaimeta and Fran Hoover. Uh, this was the first demo of mobility. Um, it, it gave us a very good uh, lesson learned and, and knowledge base. Even though release 17 has not been fully uh, been uh, specified, hopefully by Q1 next year we'll have all, all the specification being addressed. But we think we, we managed to um, you know, learn and, and have a good connectivity to, to the land mobile application side. Uh, the plan, the next step is, is really how we move to the other, uh, you know, mobile verticals like, you know, aero and maritime um, and rails would be an interesting. Uh, we're watching closely the development of the specification in that area, which we will be applying it to the, to modify the protocol stack and some of the technical requirements in the Ryan area that requires the link SLA and performance. Um, so, so ultimately, we think the validation in early phase is the right approach to commercialization. This was step one, and multiple steps will, will be planned for in the near future as the standards mature more and more in release 17. Great. Okay. Um, Daniela, can I just bring you in on the same question? Because you're also in the field of mobility. Um, right now, you are using existing HISPASAT geostationary satellites. Um, are you relying at all on any of the specs which have, which have been agreed within um, uh, 3GPP? Any of the NTN specs for direct access and so on or no? So, so what we are currently doing is uh, just to follow up on, on uh, uh, Salim's uh, uh, um, uh, point there. There is a, a project that was done uh, on Renfe trains in uh, uh, Spain uh, by Hispasat and Telefonica, which proved uh, very good results. So what we are currently doing is we are using uh, a current specification uh, for um, uh, implementing the solution on connected autonomous vehicles. Uh, we are looking forward to um, to receive the, um, the specification of release uh, 17, where we can uh, improve uh, the stack we are currently using. The, the solution we are currently using on connected autonomous vehicles is uh, uh, proven um, uh, to, uh, to provide a, a good uh, response time for telematics data that we need uh, for uh, connected autonomous vehicles to be uh, connected uh, anywhere and, and uh, uh, at, uh, in real time uh, anywhere on the planet. So we've done uh, extensive testing, not only on telematics, uh, but also on providing video calls and uh, video streaming uh, in connected autonomous vehicles. Uh, those results, um, will be soon published in a white paper, but uh, and we want to share with the community uh, where uh, we stand with the, with, uh, the overall end-to-end -end solution. Uh, but it is our plan to expand the solution uh, uh, to LEO satellites. And uh, these are the, the discussions that, that we are currently having, and uh, LEO satellites are 
on our uh, roadmap uh, for connectivity. Uh, important, uh, uh, very important thing to say here is that uh, geosatellites as a mature solution uh, proved to be uh, a, a very good solution currently for uh, connected uh, uh, autonomous vehicles to, to provide uh, necessary uh, connectivity um, uh, and augment uh, 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 terrestrial networks. Uh, and uh, that enabled us to, um, uh, to fulfill a number of regulatory approvals uh, that uh, um, to, to allow, uh, for example, connected autonomous vehicles uh, to operate on public roads in the UK, uh, for example. So all of uh, so connectivity and augmented service um, uh, proven to be uh, a, a way of uh, uh, enabling uh, uh, innovation to to uh, to be part of uh, our uh, uh, everyday uh, life and uh, to be approved uh, approved by uh, by regulators uh, uh, in a number of countries. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, Daniela, I'm actually going to stay with you for a second. I mean, we see that you're using satellite, as you said, for the connected and autom autonomous vehicles. But do we as a group need to encourage OEMs to embrace connectivity based on this kind of hybrid solution? Or is the market going to develop by itself? Uh, I think market is uh, uh, very active at the moment, and uh, I don't think we, we need to encourage uh, OEMs because they are already very much involved and they, they are working with all of us. Uh, as I mentioned in my previous statement, we, we had uh, uh, exceptionally good uh, collaboration uh, uh, with Hispasat and uh, uh, also with, with all of the suppliers. Uh, and uh, I, I think it's, it's a very active market. Uh, the, what we need to do collectively now is to find out what are the use cases that are the most relevant for, for the end customers, both businesses and consumers. And this is where we need to, to work collaboratively together. But I think uh, uh, OEMs are very much involved. The market is active and, and we are uh, in a collaborative stage of, uh, of development. And, and do they do they comment at all on the fact that it uses satellite? I mean, basically, they are kind of halfway to the user, right? They're already kind of the user community. Now, the user community doesn't care where the connectivity comes from. They care that it works. And do they feel the difference um, because it's it's going over satellite at all or no? So when we showed the demos, uh, th there was a huge excitement from the user community that we are actually popping from uh, one satellite to another then to 5G network and so on. Uh, so the users, you, you're right, Arti, the users really want good experience, so good quality of service, and this is what operators want to, to provide. So uh, our uh, scope of the demo that we've done was uh, quality of service as a success factor. Uh, and uh, But we definitely see that uh, users uh, are excited to, to know that there, there is connectivity at all times. I think when it comes to services like connected autonomous vehicles, um, there is still some anxiety uh, when, it, when it comes of uh, when it comes to uh, uh, use of, of this uh, uh, this type of innovation. Uh, but when we explain that the vehicles are connected at all times. Uh, uh, providing the, the uh, augmented service, uh, we, we see 
the difference in experience and the difference in responses when it comes to connected autonomous vehicles. So I think uh, uh, this uh, uh, service augmentation of satellite and, and terrestrial uh, will enable us to, uh, to roll out innovation much faster. Got it. Okay. Um, let me come back to uh, Wanshi. Um, but, I mean, Daniela, first, it's, it's really great to hear from both you and Salim how so much is, is being demonstrated as feasible and viable and working very well with ge existing geosatellites. I think that's really important. Um, and we'll come back to GeoLeo in a second. But coming to Wanchi briefly, uh, Wanchi, we know that, okay, we've done very well when it comes to NTN in release 17. It's going to come out next year. But of course, it doesn't stop there. This is an ongoing effort. And right now, we are scoping release 18. Um, what is the process for selecting the, the study items and the work items? How are we going to ensure that NTN tasks are considered with um, sufficient priority? that they get the request the required time units really allocated to them that's a, that's a very good question as we all know right now we are uh, almost finishing re 17 in the in the middle of uh, trying to finalize resetting package which will come in in two weeks from now actually for run two run run one run two run three uh, this is very um, complicated process, uh, as you can imagine. Um, we actually, the, the, the process already started from June this year, uh, during which we already had a, a very good, uh, actually I would call it a very successful workshop uh, in June. This is the first time we um, invited the contribution from you know all different industries, uh, from all different players to, to show their desire or their view about how things should evolve. Um, for release 18, not just for release 18, even also for a longer term. And we also know that the PCG uh, in CPP in April proved uh, this, uh, this new um, uh, second phase, if you will, for 5G evolution, something called 5G Advanced. So that this workshop also was a good opportunity for, for all players to see how we should uh, evolve 5G in the next few years. Now, with that, we also had this very good email discussion in August and another discussion on release 18 in September, yet another email discussion in October. So coming December, we're going to try to see how can to finalize uh, the release 18 package. Overall, the, the process uh, as, as you know, as it is, but the primary considerations are mostly from, you know, whether the project can really reflect the actual commercial needs. So we want to, you know, as a group, as I can imagine, want to do the project to really reflect um, the needs from, from the actual commercial uh, departments, because eventually we're not just doing paperwork, we're doing something can really be deployed. Uh, I do believe that uh, all the folks who work on standard will feel much more proud and if the, the actual project can be, can be seen you know, in, in, the, in the commercial uh, field. So that, that, that's the number one criteria. But of course, uh, when it comes to the, the, the final package, uh, there's also a lot of lot of other factors we need to consider. One one particular thing is the capacity. So as you can imagine, in the 3PP, uh, of course, uh, have, have hundreds of members, uh, different requests. But when when it comes to the actual uh, working groups, particularly round round two, round three, round four, and also round five, the capacity is always limited. Um, and adding to the limitation is also the ongoing uh, pandemic, uh, which is causing in a lot of issues for us to manage, uh, particularly in terms of efficiency 
of the meeting running uh, because whenever it comes to electronic meetings, it can never match uh, with the efficiency of physical meetings. So a lot of variables um, uh, um, involved, uh, but at least from our perspective, you know, I, we already have the established process. Um, as I mentioned, the workshop, the email discussion, August, October, the, the September, round plenary, and then and the round plenary in December. We already have established to try to collect all the views and and try to see how we can converge. And this is also kind of step-by-step -step process. We already we already have some consolidation in, in September, because originally, if you look at the proposals from uh, from uh, the workshop compared with the, let's say, the focus email discussion uh, after the September is already reduced quite a bit. So now, of course, we need to do yet another consolidation in December, which will be a, a two-week uh, e-meetings. Uh, so we're going to I think starting from December 6th until December 17th, uh, this is for the two weeks. The first week will be fully dedicated to release 18, um, plus a little bit about run five, which is kind of regular maintenance stuff, but it's pretty much for release 18. The, the, this will be the the the, uh, the important forum for all of us to sit together and to, to see how we could consolidate. Uh, and then, at least personally, I hope that we can already approve the package in the first week. And the second week, and also hopefully some detailed scoping of uh, of uh, of some, if not all the uh, items. But the second week, we'll still have a chance to further refine things. Uh, but at least my hope to try to approve the package. At two NT in particular, I, I personally I do see you have very good chance to be included in race 18. But with that said, you know the, the, everything has to be put in the let's say, more systematic checking, because this is, as you can understand, this, uh, there's a lot of competition of pro different projects. Uh, what matters is the way I is basically they can truly refer reflect the commercial needs and also the urgency of the projects. Uh, when it comes to the detailed scope, they become even more pronounced in terms of, you know, which scope should be taken, which scope should be out. Uh, th this is needed very careful discussion and debate among, uh, you know, with all the players to make sure whatever we're going to do have a, really have a tr truly commercial interest and also to really reflect the, the urgency of, uh, of, of such, a, uh, such a need. So that, that's kind of the way I see how release 18 will, will eventually be approved. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, thank you. Salim, can I bring you in on this point? Um, uh, how hopeful are you about release 18 and NTNs? How do you foresee our industry supporting the emergence of standards and integrations with future telecoms networks going forward? Thanks, thanks, Aki. This, this is a very important question, and thanks for Anshi addressing the the NTN and, and the priority and process uh, on, on selection. Clearly, it's, it's not an easy process, and we went through this at the beginning of release 17, and again, will be applied to release 18. But back to your uh, question, I think the emergence of the 5G open standard uh, will enable really multiple space-based access uh, connectivities with the global roaming and uh, ease integration with the growing 5G networks around the world. The integration of the NTN and the 3GBB 5G standard really allows for technology uh, commonalities with cellular and consequently full integration of satellite in the 5G ecosystem. 
And through this integration, uh, the same user equipment can access both terrestrial and non-terrestrial access technology, and hence end users can benefit from the extended service, uh, you know, reachability and reliability and resiliency. Now, the satellite industry will definitely facilitate that integration, but that will lead into a common hardware platform um, utilizing the 5G tools and ultimately the 5G chipset and the 3GBB core networks for the seamless integration with different 5G network partners. And that clearly will leverage the economy of scale and the terrestrial uh, technology. That success in the integration will be driven by the industry collaboration in defining the services, the verticals, uh, and studying the service architecture requirement for a transparent integration between the NTN and the terrestrial network. Um, ultimately, the goal of the standardization really to minimize the life cycle cost, improve service quality, and provide that seamless uh, connectivity and roaming between the satellite and terrestrial uh, to achieve the ultimate uh, objective of different verticals, uh, performance, and communication needs. Uh, there have been lots of advances in the uh, space-based platform technology-wise. I think there's some question coming about the, the cost of the, of the service itself, but the technology that's been really in the recent years uh, allow the utilization of the beamforming and the high-throughput satellite to provide really large capacity with the lower cost that become really competitive enough for uh, you know, a high integration with the terrestrial network. So technology has been really progressing very well on that side as well. Excellent. Thank you, Salim. You mentioned about the competitiveness uh, of the service and so on. Daniela, let me bring you back in on that. Um, how can we improve the competitiveness of uh, NTN terminals for, for mobility? We know, you know, when you look at the industry the, on the satellite side, there has been so much investment that has gone into terminals, but we still don't have one that really uh, cuts it in terms of competitiveness. What are your thoughts around this area? Sure. Uh, I think the, the, uh, the situation is improving dramatically. So we are seeing uh, uh, massively improved uh, pricing points for, for the terminals uh, in, in uh, uh, recent months. Uh, we also compared uh, the, the cost of the service. So in, uh, in our uh, solution, we had to combine uh, uh, the, uh, the bill from terrestrial uh, side of service and, and satellite side of service. And of course, uh, there is a, a big discrepancy still there. But uh, I think the way how we can approach it uh, at the moment is by creating uh, uh, new business models that would work for this type of augmented service uh, until um, uh, we see uh, release 17 and release 18 uh, of the standards that will enable us to do much more. Uh, but uh, with the current situation, with the current uh, status of, uh, of the, the pricing points of, of terminals and of the service itself, uh, I think we have have to be clever with the, with the business 
models and the ways how we provide this type of service to the customers. And uh, I think uh, uh, during uh, our demo sessions, uh, when we presented uh, uh, the solution to uh, a number of customers from different industries, uh, they were all keen to see um, uh, quality of service provided to them, but also they were keen to see the split of the, the bill that it was coming from terrestrial and from satellite side. So they, they wanted to see the um, uh, how, how these two services are actually uh, forming the, the service uh, provided, uh, the end service provided to them. So I think definitely there is a way to go, uh, but uh, with, with what we currently have, I'm very, very optimistic that um, with the number of use cases, the use cases that we will develop, the terminals uh, price point is going to uh, to be uh, even lo lower, and uh, that with the with the right business models, we can provide the competitive pricing uh, to the customers. Excellent, thanks, Daniela. I'm going to stay with you for a second because um, you mentioned earlier on the NGSO systems. Uh, there's a lot of momentum around NGSO systems right now, um, as you know, the answer the, uh, from the satellite sector to 5G challenges. But it's very clear from what we've heard during this session and also from multiple other demos that all of the orbits, the Geo, the Mio, and the Leo, have a role to play. So, which specific applications? Uh, do you believe that NGSOs will unlock? So, as I mentioned, uh, in in particular case of connected autonomous vehicles, where we uh, um, uh, showcase uh, um, the coverage uh, of uh, connected autonomous vehicles, uh, the, uh, the telematics sent by uh, from the vehicles to our control center via both 5G uh, or uh, 4G or 3G channels, and then switch to, to satellite channels and, and carried on sending telematics uh, in the areas that there is, where there is no coverage. So there is, uh, there is uh, one use case that uh, we immediately can use. Uh, second use case we've done is uh, uh, video streaming. So uh, for the infotainment of uh, the customers, we can uh, uh, use this type of augmented service for any type of vehicle uh, and we also did the video call so we tried the whatsapp uh, uh, zoom uh, teams call uh, and we were we kept on switching between the two networks two channels and uh, the quality of service uh, remained uh, uh, very good uh, the customers uh, uh, the uh, the test team didn't see any difference whilst we were switching we also done um, uh, big uh, data files transfers. Uh, so these are the, the four use cases that uh, we performed. Uh, and um, as I mentioned, we are uh, uh, keen to, to provide a white paper about the tests we've done uh, to showcase not only to the industries we presented to, but uh, to the wider industries, uh, the possibilities of uh, current solutions. Uh, and of course, um, we use geosatellites uh, uh, because uh, of the, the mature solutions currently available on the market. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned, our plan is to work with the Leo satellite providers uh, to um, expand the solution and include the Leo satellites uh, in, in, into, into the picture. Uh, at the moment, there is no mature enough uh, solution that we can uh, uh, use uh, 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 commercially available. Uh, 
But as you mentioned, we uh, we are looking uh, uh, forward to to expand uh, to to Leo satellite services uh, as uh, as the service uh, uh, becomes more mature and, and available for mobility solutions. Excellent, thank you. So we are we're almost at the end. We just have three three and a half minutes left. If I can eat, ask each one of you, you have a crystal ball. You're looking ten years into the future. Wanchi, let me start with you. Which release are we on in 10 years' time? And what is what what is your vision of what, what is satellite doing in that? Thank you. That, that's a very uh, interesting and important question. And you only have <laughs> I hope a minute I, to answer it. <laughs> yeah, I hope I can I can see that far. But I mean on the on the more uh, uh, at least at least uh, right now we are focused on 5 advanced. I do see this gonna evolve for a couple more releases, if not more. Um, but then at a certain point, 3PP will start to talk about 6G. At this point, it's hard to predict when 6G will start. I would assume, I don't know, somewhere maybe in 2025, 2026, this kind of time frame. And then if you talk about 10 years, I would, I would assume this is already kind of uh, we're into 6G uh, in 10 years from now. Uh, it's hard to predict, but at least I do believe that once it comes to 6G, Whatever I learned from 5G, which can definitely be used for 6G, um, I mean, we we start build 5G from day one, try to integrate everything, mm -hmm. but it probably can be even better integration when it comes to 6G. Uh, for example, maybe satellite communications, and many many other vertical domain and uh, user cases can be considered from day one in terms of how things are being integrated. Um, I do have a, a lot of hope for 6G, but at this point in time, it's still hard to predict what will happen. Excellent. Well, I think your prediction as far as satellite was concerned is pretty good. Salim, the same question to you. Where, where, where is satellite in 10 years' time? Is the world relying just on NGSO? Uh, what, has, what has happened? What does the world look like? Daniela, you still got uh, 30 seconds to prepare. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. I, I, I think uh, in 10 years from now, we're probably going to see this uh, Seamless, full seamless integration. I, I think the uh, utilization of the of the 5G and maybe the beginning of 6G will be reflected probably in a big, big implementation in satellite. Uh, the utilization of uh, chipset, the toolset, uh, the the harmony between the use cases and roaming and resolving all the issues probably by that time will be hopefully addressed. And you know, for a user who's accessing a vertical, it will be very hard to tell which access connectivity, which RAN he's on. Is it terrestrial? Is it Wi-Fi? Is it NGSO? Is it geo? It will be transparent. It just give him the right SLA, the right end-to-end -end service, regardless of the connectivity. So hopefully we'll reach to that point of full seamless integration by that time. Excellent. Thank you so much. A very positive message from you as well. Daniela, how, uh, what's happened in the world of CAVs 10 years from now? Yeah, I definitely think that uh, CAVs will be a commonplace and uh, I, I believe that uh, we, will, we will see full integration uh, of satellite uh, and uh, terrestrial networks by that time, both from a use cases perspective, commercial perspective and standards perspective.
Excellent. So we can't end on a more positive note than that. And we end bang on the dot with our time. Thank you so much to you, Wanshi, Daniela and Salim. Thanks for joining me. And thanks to 5G Techretory for providing us with this platform to have this really interesting discussion. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, so we would not be able to do it without you. So, so thank you for your time and thank you for uh, all of your expertise. To finalize this amazing session, let me quickly reflect on the last question that we asked today in our event platform, and that was, should terrestrial and satellite networks compete more, collaborate more, launch seamless applications, or have common pricing schemes? What would we, you, just to finalize it, what would you say, which answer won the poll? I would say collaborate more. Definitely. Yeah, same, same answer from my side. Yeah. Same. Well, the answers and, and the leaders did change a little bit, but yes, you're totally right. More than 56% of the people answered collaborate more. And I think that your presentations today and your discussion paved the perfect path for this collaboration. So thank you so much once again for your time and for your expertise. And this, dear friends, this concludes the 5G Techretory 2021, at least the first day, the first ever tech day. But this is just the beginning of this year's 5G Tech Retreat. We still have a great weekend.